0: Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Julie Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. Why don't you write down this morning, broken crayons, still colored. Broken crayons, still color, and just even, you know, at the title, I pray that that kind of begins to germinate and sit in your heart and go, okay, wow. Just as we've been singing, he can take the broken pieces of our lives, can't he? Put it back together and and cause it to be something absolutely beautiful. And I'm believing he's going to do that in your heart this morning. We're going to open up to Acts 3, 1 to 9. And uh, it's a great story. It it comes after kind of what Pastor Steve, if you were here last weekend, he spoke about how the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples in the upper room. Anybody remember? He spoke about the the tongue of fire that was over their heads and how it was in the, the shape of like a crown and how it had seven points. Do you remember? I feel like I listened well. Okay. And how that crown came upon their head and they received for the very first time the Holy Spirit. I mean, how incredible. That's, that's, that's a moment in history. Up until that point in history, Jesus walked among them fully God, fully man. And so they had access to God through Jesus. But now, but now... The Holy Spirit has fallen upon men and every single one of them received the Holy Spirit where now it's said that they were fully equipped. They were filled and they were fully equipped for the days ahead. How cool is that? And so now here we are in Acts 3. It's like the next step out of that upper room. Where they they left the upper room and they were, they were so uh, filled with the Holy Spirit that now they they walked a little bit differently. They went to the places that they would go a little differently, with with a greater understanding of their authority of the empowerment that has just been given to them by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit now living in them. You can just imagine, they will walk a little more boldly, a little differently into these places that they're going. And Peter and John are now walking up into the temple and it says that they're at the gate beautiful. Now, how many love that language? I pray that wherever it is that you find yourself in life, that it would become, in Jesus' name, a gate beautiful. It's like wherever I am, something beautiful is about to happen because of who I have. Amen. And so they come to gate beautiful and they see this man who has been lame, who has been crippled from birth. Okay, this wasn't an accident that happened years into his life where he once walked, where he once could run, but he has been crippled, unable to move and walk on his own since birth. And the reason why he was here at the temple sitting on these steps is because someone, people would pick him up and lift him up and bring him to the temple so that when people would walk through the doors to go in to pray, that they would walk by him and he would beg for, for money. He would beg and, and sit there. And, and so this one day, Peter and John come up to this temple and they see him. And it was the day after the Holy Spirit came. Let's remember. It's, it's, this is just after. And so he, they see him. And what does it say? Let's look. It says that Peter and John, they said, look at me. They said to the crippled man, he said, look at us. The man began to pay attention. You can imagine. He's like, oh, it's my lucky day. They're about to give me what I, what I want. They're about to, you know, bless me. But this is what he says. He's eagerly expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Sorry, buddy. I don't have what you want. But what I do have In the name, in the authority, and the power of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, begin now to walk and go on walking. I don't have what you want. I don't have what you're sitting here begging for, asking for day after day after day. But what I do have... What I do have, this this Holy Spirit that has now come upon me, this tongue of fire, this crown, this understanding of my royalty, of my position in Christ, of my empowerment, my enablement, my authority because of Jesus. I give that to you, though. And what happens? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Then he sees the man's right hand, so like bold. And with a firm grip and raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles began to get strong and steady. And with a leap, not with a crawl, not with a slow like, oh, just a second. You know, I'm just going to try it out. No. With a leap he stood to his feet. And what happened? He began to walk. And he went into the temple with them walking and leaping. Walking and leaping. Not as we imagine healing. We imagine healing, you know, working with our chiropractors and physios and all of that, which we're so grateful for. The healing process can take quite a long time. An injury happens in a moment. The healing process could be a year, could be years. But in a moment with Jesus, he goes from being so frail. And unable to walk, to walking and leaping. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him because they know this guy. They know where he sat at Gate Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement and were mystified at what had just happened. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you anoint this message? And would you allow these words to open up the eyes of our hearts where we have not had vision? where we have not been able to dream and to see the promises that you have declared over us come into reality, I pray that we would understand that it's who we have that enables us. It's not what we have or what we don't have, but it's who we have that gives us the empowerment to overcome and to step into all that is upon our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. let it be. That's what, that's what you just said, let it be. Amen, we're agreeing, it's good, that's why it's powerful, amen, it's good. Okay, so, I just like amen, I do, I think it's a powerful word, and we just say it all the time, but we got to understand you're agreeing. So, here's my daughter, Finley, she just fell down in the house, like just, you know, walking through the house, fell down, found out that she has a toddler fracture. And uh, we kept going to the doctor, trying to figure it out, trying to get her to walk. She would not walk. She just, I couldn't encourage her enough. I couldn't, you know, dangle chocolate, you know, 10 feet away from her long enough to make her get up. And that's when I knew something was seriously wrong. I was like, what's going on here? Normally she'd be like, yes, you know, and leaping with joy towards the chocolate. But she would not get up. She would not walk. I, I couldn't say enough encouragement. I couldn't convince her. I couldn't coax her. To move and I had honestly a a revelation that I went you know what she actually just needs to see somebody else in her state and in her position and with her ailment and with her fracture and at her age and stage walking she needed to see it and it would give it would it would break something in her and so I looked it up on YouTube and funnily enough there's all kinds of videos of moms who have videotaped their kids Walking in casts, which was really helpful for me at the time because I had, you know, what song do I want playing in the background? And so I chose, you know, Sarah McLachlan, like, in the arms of the angel. So I, I, it's like this little, like, toddler, like, you know, like. Crawl, like walking, kind of limping, sort of across the kitchen, their kitchen floor. It's like, in the arms of, it's all very moving. I was like, why am I feeling emotional? I'm showing this to Finley. I'm like, look, babe, she has what you have. She's wearing a cast just like you, but she's walking. Like, look, she's up on her cast. She's, look, she's getting up off the bed. Look, oh my gosh. She's walking across her kitchen floor and Her eyes lit up, and she saw herself. She saw the same fracture. She saw the same pain. She saw the same injury in this other toddler. And seeing this toddler walk with her limp gave her permission to get off of her chair or off of the bed and to begin to walk as well. And I watched something miraculous take place in my daughter. She she just went like, forget this. I've been wasting too much time just sitting around. I'm going to get off the bed. And so she kind of like fell off the bed. <laughs> and she began to she began to stand up and hold herself up. And we were all around, all the kids. We're like, yes, you know. Try not to be too encouraging, to discourage, you know. But she gets up and she starts to walk. And I believe that's something so powerful for us here this morning. That I believe that God wants to give you permission here this morning that though you, there, there, are, there may be broken areas of your life. There may, there may still, still, wow, wow. <you> the <face> there, what was that? There may be, exactly. <coughs> Jesus, uh, there may be areas of your life that you still are like, gosh, why aren't I over this? Why is this insecurity just, I, I seem to get over it and then it comes back or, you know, this relationship, your relationships are, are colorful and complex and all kinds of things going on. But I've, I believe that this message is going to give you permission and not just permission, but empowerment to, to step up and, and to actually walk with a limp. That you would actually understand that your broken crayon can still color. That in the hand of the creator God, he can take the broken pieces of your life and he's like, I'm going to use it. And it's powerful. So three encouragements I would love for you to write down here this morning. Three encouragements that will enable, equip, and empower you to color in every season with that broken crayon, if you will. It will empower you to to. Get up in Jesus' name, just like that lame man at Gate Beautiful, and to begin walking and leaping in Jesus' name. The first one is to be established, be established, and firmly rooted in who you have. Be established, establish yourself in who you have. And and let's, for a moment, forget what you don't have. Because I know you're like, okay, that's nice to be rooted in who I have, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Like, that feels good. I know he's perfect, but what about what I don't have? Don't worry, we'll talk about that at the end, okay? For a moment, we're gonna forget about that because step number one is to establish and root yourself, like, I, I use that language because you got to work at this. you got to dig down deep. you got to dig through the dirt of your life and root yourself and anchor yourself in truth. You know, Finley, she, I overheard her you know, saying something about herself that broke my heart just the other day. And we have this routine. As the kids come up, I'm doing my makeup in the mirror. And if they come up, I'll grab them. And I'll pull them close. And, and I'll say, hey, look in the mirror. Look at yourself. I'm like, who are you? Say, like, begin to say things about yourself. I'm a Davidson, you know? Or I'm beautiful. Why don't we, if we can throw up, this is just me and Roro. We're going to talk about Finn, but this is the cutest little say, video. I'm gorgeous. I'm gorgeous. Say, I'm beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> say, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Say, I'm gorgeous. I'm gorgeous. <laughs> so cute. This is what we do. I've done it, and obviously with Jude, I'm like, you are handsome. Say you're handsome. You know, like, I'm pretty. (laughs) Whatever. But uh, it adjusts to the child. You know, you're strong, (laughs) and um, it's a lot easier for me to do this with the girls, (laughs) but uh, we do this, and I overheard Finn. She was at the kitchen table, just started school, and she started to say while coloring, I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. I'm not fun. I'm it's like um, quite intense, like declaring it over herself, you know, where I'm like, oh, gosh. And so I scooped her up, picked her up, took her away from all the other kids and walked upstairs. And we went to her bedroom and I sat down and she kept saying it. And so I just grabbed her and I hugged her and I squeezed her close and I just hugged her. I said, I love you, Finley. I love you, Finn. I love you. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not. And I saw the mirror, and I grabbed it and pulled it out and brought it right up close to us. And I said, turn around, Finn. Turn around. I'm like, look at yourself. And she's like, no, I'm not. Like, she's, she's going to be a weapon in the hand of her God. <laughs> but she turns, or finally turns around. I said, why did she say I am beautiful. I, no, no. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm just, I'm going to say it about myself. Okay. I'm going to have my own little party. So I said, I am beautiful. I am gorgeous. I am a. I chi- I am a child of God. I am a Davidson. Cause we tell them what that means. I am. And she was watching me like have the best time ever. And so she was like, I am funny. I'm like, yes, you are. I am gorgeous. Yes, you are. I am pretty. I am smart. And then it just like like a spring just went, just started bursting out. All of this truth that we put in. But a lie came to rob, to kill, and to destroy that seed, those words of truth that we have put into her little spirit. There was one voice that came on the schoolyard that began to eat away at the truth that was put in there for three and a half years now. It just takes one voice, doesn't it? It just takes one person who misjudges you or who takes you at, you know, surface value and and casts their, their judgments on you. It just takes one relationship with one guy, To say in rejection that thing about you. It just takes one relationship with your natural father who just maybe doesn't see himself the way that God sees him and so he doesn't know how to love and he doesn't know how to see you. It just takes one but sometimes we're dealing with all kinds of feedback, aren't we? That we need to bring to Jesus because in John 10 we know this well, the thief comes but Can I point out, it says the thief only comes. He only comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And so if you're having conversations with a voice that is not God, you're you're talking to like a liar. It's kind of a waste of time. He's not gonna reflect truth. He's not gonna remind you who you are. We've got to stop having conversations and agreeing with the voices in our life that are not God and that don't reflect his truth of what he says about us. The enemy would love to waste and monopolize your mind with all kinds of untruths. You know, who you're not, what you're not good at, what you haven't yet done, what you won't overcome, what we don't know yet, the stuff in our lives we have yet to get healing from. He would love to put your focus on what you do not have or what you have not done or the healing you have yet to walk into or that thing that you keep doing that you wish you didn't do all the time, but you keep doing it. He would love to bring back to remembrance your failures, your flaws, your weaknesses. He loves to have a circle around those themes. But how many know that that pales? In comparison to who you do have, we all have stuff that we don't have because we're human, because we're frail, we're temporary. I know some of you are learning that here this morning. You human. Okay, there's all kinds of things you don't have. But we have Jesus who lives on the inside of us. And I love Peter and John. He said, you know, silver and gold, I don't have it. He, he, they, they didn't shy away like, oh, well, you know, the, the, the money thing, I don't have it. You know, I don't have that going on. He was like, silver and gold I do not have. <laughs> you know, I love that. Boldly, you know, in a public space, I don't have this. <laughs> I don't have, you know. They weren't like shy about it or held back by it. It didn't make them timid. Didn't make cause them to refrain and to hold back. And so many of us are presented with opportunities like Peter and John. We're at this gate beautiful. And they understood wherever I am, this is gate beautiful. Something beautiful is about to happen. But many of us come to those scenarios where we see a need. We see somebody struggling. We've got a neighbor who needs hope. You've, you see that couple at the hockey rink or, or at the soccer, you know, fields or the dance competitions you're in. And you see their desperation for Jesus. But you go, you, you stop at silver and gold I do not have. I don't have. I'm in lack. We believe this lie that we're living in lack or living with lag and withdrawal. All the while, all of heaven's resources is there for you to grab. What do you need? What do you need? You've got access. Hebrews 4, if we can throw it up on the screen, it talks about this access that you and I have. It says that we can come. We now come freely, boldly to where love is enthroned. To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace that we urgently need to strengthen us. To strengthen us in our time of what? Strength? No. Weakness. In our time of weakness. I saw a quote where it says religion would say, I messed up. I got to like hide from dad. But relationship with, with the father says, I screwed up. I need dad. I need my father. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his presence. I need his touch. I need his truth. I need him to remind me who I am. This is our access. I remember my husband preached a word. He said, You know, Mephibosheth, I can not always say it, how do you even say that word? It's like, I was like a mean joke, whoever named him that. But uh, said, You know, what are you doing? What are you doing in, in Lodabar? What are you doing away from what is your seat? At the king's table, what are you doing over here eating the leftovers? When you could be sitting at a king's table feasting on a table. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, in the very place of weakness, in the very place where you feel like you don't have it, and you don't have it going on. He goes, but you have me, and if you have me, you have more than enough. To overcome whatever it is that you're facing off with. In Jesus' name. You know, I love, I love Peter and John. I love their boldness where they would say, Hey, I don't have this, but I have God. I'm believing that that's gonna do something in your spirit, that you would no longer be going around head down of what you don't yet have, the stuff that you have not yet learned, or the thing that you have yet to overcome. But understand that you have been anointed. Just as Peter and John, it said that they were fully filled and equipped in a moment. You're fully filled and equipped for everything pertaining to life in Jesus' name. This is your declaration over this season. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, upon me. Upon me. 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 Look to the person next to you. Say, upon you. It's upon you. Come on, it's not just upon me because I have a microphone. Okay? I mean, how ridiculous. We have been anointed for such a time as this. To do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Come on. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to blind eyes, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. In Jesus' name, this is your Beautiful privilege. And it's because it's already been done and accomplished in you. But many of us can walk around thinking it hasn't been, ha- it hasn't been accomplished. Because you're still dealing with that stuff of just being human. But let me remind you how to get the truth of who you are in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. John eight thirty one to 32 Jesus said this. If you abide... If you abide, now let's not skip over that. What's abide? It means to remain, to continue, to stay, to dwell, to reside. This is like reside. Think about that. Make it your home. Make make the truth of his word your home country. It's where you go back to at the end of the day. It's where you wake up in the morning. It's where you eat. It's where you live. Abide in my word. Then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. You will know it, and that truth will set you free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I think some of us are just lazy Christians, lazy believers, Why am I going through all of this trouble and hardship? Why do I think all these bad things about myself? Let's watch the Kardashians again, although I love it. But let's just do that all the time and go on Pinterest and go to coffee with my friends and go to the gym and never open up that word of God that tells me who I am and can disarm the lies of the enemy that come at you like Finley. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. No, you are. This is who you are. In Jesus' name, be firmly established and give who you have. Let's give who we have. Let's be established in, in who we have and then give. Give it away. Gosh, it's not like you're going to run out. We're not going to run out of, of God. <laughs> I mean, he's God. There's, there's a, an abundance. It's in the same way where the, you know, the enemy, the thief, only comes to steal and to destroy, Let's now talk about why Jesus came because it's it's so good, <laughs> it's so much better. And who cares then about what the enemy's here to do? It just pales. I have come, it says, I have come, Jesus, so that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now this is important. He doesn't just want you to be full like oh. Look at me, I'm so loved, you know. He's like, No, so it overflows. That you would become, in Jesus' name, a spring of life for the people around your life. That you wouldn't just be so full of God, hoarding it all to yourself, you know. Colin Santa Fe, first getting married, I heard about this. You used to hoard your food from your wife. <laughs> He used to, he told me this at dinner. You can't tell me these things. He's like, this is how I would eat. You know, one arm like this and the other one like shovel in and in. I'm like, oh my gosh. But that that's, does that not give you a little bit of picture of what it can be like? You know, we, we, I mean, if the shoe fits, it can feel like, you know, you're, Relationship with Jesus, it's like it's all about you. Like, Jesus, tell me who I am because I forgot again and put all my broken pieces back together because I'm always broken and I have nothing to give, you know? It's like, no, you're like the hoarder who's like, I need it all for myself, you know? Gosh, no. Till it full but overflowing. Full but overflowing. We've got to give. Pastor Steve came to our interns just last week, and it was incredible, and I wish all of you could be there, because something really amazing happens in, in those rooms, you know, with leaders, and, and gosh, we get to ask questions, and it was so good, but he just said, he's like, you know, that declaration of Jesus that you see and you hear all the time, John 10, 10, you know, I've come that you might have, he said, that's our position, Everywhere you go, when you go into work tomorrow, why don't you practice it on the way into work as you're driving? I have come. I am going to that place so that they might have. I have come to this round table so that you might have. I have come to Pommier in the middle of, you know, the forest in beautiful Gatineau so that you might have encouragement. So that I might bless you and speak to the gold that I see in you, and maybe go heaven, what do you want to say to this girl? What do you want to say to this, Barissa this morning? I have come. I have come to this neighborhood so that the people around me would feel kindness and see the kindness of, of Jesus through my life. Maybe, I don't know, this is just an idea. Why not just shovel somebody's driveway just for fun? I mean, it's a good workout. As long as you've been working out, because it's a little scary when people start shoveling and they don't work out. its I mean, that's a real thing, okay? So why don't we do, just a little side note, Um, but why don't we embody and understand that, gosh, like Peter and John, I don't have that stuff, who cares? But what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. I have come that you might have. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember flying back from Toronto. I was speaking at what was Vantage Church, now Hillsong Toronto, with their sister. Come on. It's so good. And I was leaving uh, to come back home, and I get on the airplane, sit down, and the the girl next to me just starts chatting, like chatty, chatty, like chatty Cathy, like really talking. And I recognized I'm like, this is what I do when I'm, like, nervous about something. Anybody else, when you're nervous, you just go, oh, wow, so yesterday. And uh, it's a really beautiful day outside. And you're just trying to distract yourself from something you're thinking about. And I was kind of, I'm like, are you, like, are you, are you okay? Like, how was your week, <laughs> you know? <laughs> She's like, well, actually, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really a nervous, like, flyer really nervous. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, okay, well, I love flying. I don't, I, I don't, you know, educate myself. Maybe that's why I'm not scared. I don't watch those shows. I'm like, I feel like I'm safer doing this than I am at a vending machine. Supposedly, they fall on more people than people die in airplanes. Yeah. So, I shared these stats with her, and it wasn't working. And, uh, we got into a conversation. I was like, what do you do? You know, she's like, actually, I'm in the army. I'm like, oh, wow. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I was just over in Iraq. And that this was years ago. And she, I was just, you know, um, put there for a couple years, actually. And now I'm back. And I'm like looking at her going, you are in Iraq. And you are in the army. And you are scared to fly right now for 45 minutes. I'm like, okay. All right. And uh, we go to take off, and as we speed up, you know, on the tarmac, she grabs my hand. Oh, she knows what I do at this. We got to know each other. She knows I'm a pastor and all this. She grabs my hand and squeezes it like she's in labor. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's like, I just need to hold your hand. She's like, you feel so peaceful. I'm like, you don't, but Okay. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there and I'm like the blood is leaving my body And I'm just kidding and I'm like oh my gosh and she finally loosened her grip as you know when we get up to that place where the turbulence kind of stops and she looks at me she's dead silent the entire time and she goes honestly thank you she's like I've never done that before ever I'm like really you seem really good at it She's like, I've never done that before. She's like, but I just felt so much peace from your life. I felt, I felt like you were so, like, you weren't shaken by what was going on. Like, you, you felt so peaceful. I just wanted to, like, hold on to you. And here's the thing. Tactical training, I do not have. And understanding how to hold a firearm that I do not have as well. But who I do have... I gave to her in that moment. I do have peace that surpasses my understanding of airplanes. (laughs) That I know if I'm on this airplane, I've got this promise, this promise, this promise. It hasn't happened. You're fine. You're not going down yet. This thing's going to land safe and sound in Jesus' name. And so I gave what I had in that moment. Don't get so caught up on what you don't have because I I just think of it, I'm like, I was wowed and and we became Facebook friends and I went on to find out, you know, like seeing photos of her, like in the army, like with her gun and like all of her friends, And I was like, I helped that girl, like find peace on an airplane. I did. I mean, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I did. I did that. (laughs) don't, don't go to that place. That's an unhealthy place. Um... But God in me, the Holy Spirit in me helped her. I, I'm not equipped to help a girl like that, but actually I am. And you would say the same thing. Like, I'm not equipped for, you know, that kind of person or this kind of situation. But you are. Because Jesus lives in you, and it's amazing how he can meet every single need. It's so easy. You know, another story. and we're, We'll close it up. Don't worry. Another. No, we're not going to do that. I'm running out of time. There was, that was restraint, what you guys just saw. You should like pat my back right now. Okay, third thing, third thing that we must apply in Jesus' name and, and overcome, overcome and, and get up and running in your God assignment, your God calling, because that's what's at stake. This is what I'm fighting for, because we stay out. We hide in the background of life. And we, we don't step into our God assignment and to our God dreams and our, our calling and destiny because we just are like, oh, I feel like I don't have what it takes. What do we do now with that weakness, that stuff that I said, forget about it. <laughs> Establish yourself in, in truth. Establish yourself. Firmly root yourself in who you have. And let's forget. But where does that go? Because we all have that stuff. We're all dealing with that stuff as we put our head on the pillow. You're, you're thinking about those relationships. You're thinking back on those failures and disappointments. And you're, you're, you're carrying around some, some hurt and some pain and some weakness in your life because, hello, you're, you're human. So there's going to always be a battle that needs breakthrough. There's always going to be a pain that needs the promise of God to, to remind and to bring healing. There's always going to be a bit of a journey. But what do we do? We boast about it. What? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually get to boast about the weakness. We get to go, hey, guess what? I, I don't have this. But Jesus, through my weakness, he works through it. How good is that? We get to boast. We get to boast. We get to speak about our weakness in such a way that is centered around Jesus. And it, it, it gives more glory, again, to the strength of Jesus in our lives. If we can go to the promised one. Can we do the promised one? Awesome. Second Corinthians twelve eight to 10. It says three different times. This is Paul talking about, we all know this, a lot of us do, the thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh, anyone? Anyone got a thorn in the flesh? Hey, I see you. Um, We all do. And I love, I love that Paul, he actually didn't go, it's this, it's that. I mean, he could have, but I love that for us, the thorn in the flesh, now we can relate to it because he didn't say it was physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We don't know what it was. But we know that it was a weakness that he had. And he said, three times, three times I begged, thank you, three times I begged with the Lord, please take this from me. Anybody else relate to that? Like, gosh, why do I have this struggle? Why do I have this weakness in my life? I mean, my, my, what I'm doing with my life would be a whole lot easier if I didn't have that to overcome still. We can beg in the same way. When am I going to be over this? But this is what God said to him. He said, my grace, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power, listen to this, his power, it works best in weakness. What do you mean? I don't feel like, you know, at my best when I'm weak. But that's where, if you can just imagine, I get the picture of like, of, of my kids. They're trying to reach, you know. And, and pull themselves up, little row at the park. She tries to reach up, you know, to the handlebars and pull herself up. And I'm like, well, you can do that for a while. You're never gonna reach it, you know? And what I do is I come alongside in my strength and I pick her up and she's able to reach things that in her own strength she she is not able to reach and overcome. And that's just like Jesus in our lives, in our weakness. What we cannot do in and of our own strength he fills in the gap and he picks you up and allows you to reach new heights in Jesus' name. His grace is all you need. I now, this is Paul, this is a beautiful place that I would love for all of us to get to. That, that I know the Holy Spirit wants you to get this. That you now can boast about my weakness. Oh, <gasps> what? know for some of you in this place that's like oh my gosh how do I get out of here like oh my gosh she's talking about talking about my weakness like where can I go is this almost done like get me out of here I can't talk about that thing I'm not gonna you know highlight put on my highlight reel the stuff that I'm going through gosh what will people think What will my family think? What will all, you know, what is that going to do in my life? How will that affect, you know, the perception of of man? But this is beautiful. He said, "I, I take pleasure. Now he's taking another level. He boasts about it, and he takes pleasure in his weakness. This is what God wants for you to no longer be in shame, hiding, hiding that weakness and, and going like, oh, nobody can see this. No, no, no. Actually, I'm going to flip the switch where culture would say, hide. I say, come out, bring it into the light. Let everybody see it and bring glory to me, your father in heaven, because through the insults in my weakness, through the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. You know, I struggled for a couple months to share something on Instagram that I knew I had to share. It was rolling around in my heart and I I could feel the Holy Spirit you know, speaking to me, saying, like, share it, say it, find the words, write it down, get it out, share, post it. And I was like, oh, that's a nice idea for another time when I feel ready to do something like that. And I put it off and I ignored it and I'd be making sandwiches for the kids, post it, share it, get it out, share your story, share that weakness. Finally, I did one night, When everyone was in bed and everyone was gone, and I had some time by myself. And I started to share about my journey of just feeling like, you know, when I was a young girl, a lot of people would, you know, say things that were sometimes, I believe, sent to hurt and to harm. And other times it was just misjudgment, looking at me for face value. And making a snap judgment and a, you know, just saying something that was less than good. But what happens in in our feedback in life is we put it all together. And we, we almost create like a shrine to the lie. And we start to worship and agree with the lies of the enemy. And we begin to almost get all of our evidence and go, okay, well that supports the lie. Boom. Okay, all that also supports the lie. Let's put that under this category. And all of a sudden, years go by and you begin to have all of this support for, why, for what you don't have. My, my biggest thing in, in growing up was I felt stupid. I felt like a girl that didn't have much to say, if I'm quite honest. There was all kinds of things that were said, oh, ditzy, oh, she's always laughing, and she's so fun, and whatever. And when I get serious, they go, yeah, 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 okay. Like, no, like, I have something to say. And they go, yeah, that's funny. And, oh, like, do you even know? Do you even know what you're talking about? That kind of thing begins to put all of this together. Where now my words, I'm like, well, why even share them? Because I'm probably going to get made fun of. It's not going to be taken seriously. They have no weight. And so I went around with this for a long time. And, uh, you know, I began to speak thanks to my husband who, you know, I would say nudge, but it was more like a shove <laughs> to, to share and I'm like, oh gosh. And that weekend I got phone calls. Why? Or not phone, emails. Why is a woman communicating? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm already so nervous to share because up to that point, just asking a question in class made my face go red and my palms sweat and everything inside of me would shake. So there's been a lot of progress and healing that's happened to even get me to this place. that shook me again. Why am I communicating? Oh, why do I think I have something to say? And then Fast forward to just a couple months, ago, in this last year, I'm preaching, and what happened was there was actually a graph that went around, and uh, categorizing my message in in categories that were less than good, and did not make me feel encouraged, and again, it's it's just, I believe it's just sometimes people think it's funny, and, and they don't understand, They don't understand the journey. They don't understand the history and what you've had to overcome to get here. Maybe they think you're stronger than you actually are, but we all know there's stuff that we don't have, hey? And we're operating in who we do have. But this graph went around and came back to me at the end of the night, and I looked at the graph and, like, horror and embarrassment to go, oh, my gosh, it's true. It's true. What was I doing? I thought back. I was up there so boom. But, you know, like operating in who I had. And the enemy just used that silly little graph to go, oh, but let's remember who you are. Let's remember what you don't have. Yeah, you have Jesus, but you're stupid. You don't have much to say. Let's remember, let's bring, you, let's bring you back over here to what you don't have. Yeah, okay, what a, yeah, you have Jesus, but let's remember, let's remember the failure. Let's remember those silly things that you did in 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever it is. But instead, you know what I did? I took the very weapon that the enemy threw at me to take me down. And to make me literally go and sit down and go, yeah, never mind. What am I doing up here? I took that very weapon that he threw at me and I posted it for all of the world to see. (laughs) And I declared truth over the lie. And it was incredible. It was incredible what happened. I didn't post it to have people. People were so kind and encouraging. But honestly, I did not post it to get encouragement. It wasn't like a go fish, you know. It was truly like, this is my journey. This is where I feel weak. I pray that as I boast in my weakness, that you would see that God can work through it. And he will work through it. And as I sat in the dark, my phone just lit up. It began to light up with people going, that's me, oh my gosh, you're speaking to my life, I feel like that. I'm pastoring in in Winnipeg, and and I feel like that. I'm pastoring in Florida, and my husband's done the same thing for me. And I'm, you know, doing this in business, and I felt like, what am I doing? All of these people. My phone just started lighting up, and I got up out of bed. And as the phone, not because I was like, woo, you know, like, All of these comments, I went, I'm living what Paul said. So now I take pleasure. So now I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, he is. When I am weak, he is. When I am weak, he is strong. He is strong. And I got up out of my bed. And do you know what I did? In the dark, I began to dance. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I began to dance in my bedroom because the very thing that the enemy sent for me, sent after me to take me down. Instead, I put it beneath my feet, just like every lie, just like every disease, just like every sickness is under the feet of Jesus. I put it under my feet and I danced on it. I sang over it, and I praised about it, and I thank God for who he is. In the midst of my weakness, in the midst of what I don't have, I said, but Jesus, it's you that I have. It's you that I have. Come on, why doesn't everybody jump up to their feet? You might as well join the party. We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.